0: Welcome to the Policy and Planar English podcast. I'm your host, Helen Laban. A lot of our telehealth discussion until now has been about patients connecting to their providers remotely. But in reality, a lot of telehealth is focused on providers connecting to each other. And in particular, on how specialists can give input to primary care treatment. These connections allow patients to avoid traveling, possibly for quite a distance, to reach specialists for a visit that may not have been necessary. Those trips are especially frustrating when you factor in how many specialists have long waiting times for appointments and a high rate of no shows from people who made an appointment months beforehand. And that was all before COVID nineteen hit. Patients really
1: appreciate not having to go anywhere they don't have to go. I mean, even coming to our office is a strain, even pre COVID sometimes, just with the transportation and time and that it takes. And so going all the way to a specialist oftentimes for things that really could be managed in the office is is something they, they haven't always wanted to do.
0: That's one of today's guests. I'm Katie
1: Marvin. I'm a family doctor at Stowe Family Practice, and that's part of the community health centers
0: of Lamoille Valley. Dr. Marvin has noticed the often unwieldy system for seeing specialists has gotten a little simpler recently. That referral system was actually the focus of telehealth policy work immediately prior to COVID-19. It's a different kind of connection than what was suddenly in the spotlight once we all started stay-at-home orders. But it's also getting attention now through some of the informal ways providers are connecting with each other during this disruption. One thing to remember is that here the focus is reducing trips, not necessarily eliminating them. The examples often include in-person visits mixed with telehealth consultations. The family doctor
1: and the primary care doctor are usually able to manage a lot more than the patients realize. And we just occasionally need some input from a specialist even a few minutes on the phone, uh, and then we can keep that patient kind of close to home and manage them. Oftentimes in the past, it's been in the patient's preference, really, to see the specialist, and so we'll make that referral, and the patient will go there. and it might take longer for them to get there, and they have to drive a long distance, and of course, there's um, additional cost to that. So for a lot of the things now that we're managing over the phone with a specialist just kind of providing some helpful insight. We are able to keep the patients kind of close to home, thus reducing their cost and travel and exposure with regards to COVID. An example might be alcoholic uh, hepatitis or some liver disease related to alcoholism, which we are seeing more of, unfortunately, with COVID, with people being uh, stressed at home. So I've had the opportunity to consult with Dr. Ladosky, who's a hepatologist at UVM, and you know, getting somebody in to see him can be hard because he's very busy and he's a very good doctor. But, you know, he's been amazing how he'll get on the phone with me and help me manage a couple of patients that I'm dealing with. And the patients really just then don't have to go all the way to Burlington for a visit that really we can deal with. Similarly, I have had a couple of patients who truly did need to see a specialist. Um, it was sort of beyond my expertise in care. And the patients were able to get in with a telehealth visit almost next day, in some cases, with that specialist, Um, so the patient would then stay at home and the specialist was wherever they're working from. And that's been also great.
0: Now, you might have noticed the mention at the beginning that patients don't always know what primary care is equipped to handle. Before I worked in healthcare policy, I admit, I didn't realize there were different perspectives on this issue. I thought the world was made up of family medicine and emergency departments, with one or two specialists in between, who mostly did heart surgery. Even today, if my primary care provider suggests that I go see a specialist, a dermatologist about a rash, for example, then I assume that's another way of saying that my issue is unknowable, most likely incurable, and I take the referral slip so that she won't feel bad about it, then move on with my life. Apparently, not everyone thinks this way. I guess there's sort of two frames
1: of thoughts. There's definitely some patients who want everything to be done in the primary care office. And then there's definitely a cohort of patients who really feel like everything needs to be outsourced to specialists. In my practice, I have patients and they're so used to seeing a specialist for everything, a gynecologist, a dermatologist, an endocrinologist, a cardiologist. And the primary care just sort of ends up being this sort of quarterback where you often don't even really need to see the patient. You're sort of like turfing a lot of information and notes and trying to communicate everything. But I mean, truthfully, it's just a a tribute to primary care. Really, most of it could be managed by the primary care. The specialists are really necessary when there's something beyond that scope of practice. It's a lot of patient education goes into just saying, you know, we can do your GYN, your basic GYN care here, IUD placement, derm, skin checks, biopsies, even sprains, strains, orthopedic injuries,
0: lacerations, kind of across the gamut of what we manage. A specialist's heavy perspective on care can be a real problem for a health system. It can fracture care continuity and drive up costs but also drives up wait times to see the specialists in question. This is nothing against specialists. When you need one, you really need one. And right now, the wait to get in can be long. What we've hit is a point where efficiency issues and access issues intersect in rural telehealth.
1: My feeling has always been that if we could get more primary care docs on the ground and give them more confidence to manage all the things that they're trained to do and offload a lot of the minutiae that specialists see that they really don't need to, then it would open up the specialist visits for those urgent cases when we really do need to get somebody in. You know, I mean, there are times where I absolutely necessary, I need to get somebody in that day. If I have a kid who comes in with a blood sugar of 400 and it's the first time they've ever been told that they have diabetes at eight years old, I'm going to have them see PJ Zamakis, who's a pediatric endocrinologist that day. And he will see them. He always has for those diagnoses. So I love my specialist and I use them frequently. I guess I just would say that the trend has been to over-specialize things. For example, the ER, if a patient went in with a basic sprain, oftentimes the knee-jerk reaction from the ER is to refer them to orthopedics when really they could follow up with their primary care doctor very competently and in most cases would have the same recommendations and the same
0: outcome. There are several strategies available for turning back this trend to focus more on primary care especially in regions with limited specialist availability for in-person meetings. Notch, a federally qualified health center in northern Vermont, is one place that's been trying out a formal system for remote consultations called e-consults.
2: My name is Jennifer Fenn, and I'm a nurse practitioner. I work for Swanton Health Center. So we live in a very rural community, and a lot of our patients are low income, don't have reliable transportation, and their life is just really chaotic. So we typically have a lot of no-show rates when we actually are able to get someone into a specialist. And typically, getting a specialist visit requires a trip to Burlington and quite an extensive wait. So by the time their appointment comes around, a lot of times they don't make it. So I was talking to a friend of mine who works in Connecticut, and she was telling me about this e-consult, which sounded amazing. So an e-consult is a way to connect with a specialist uh, without sending the patient to the actual office. So we basically just create this referral that sends the patient's information along with our question and a specialist from somewhere in the country that's contracted with the company we use will reply, typically within 48 hours.
0: The Connecticut company providing these e-consults is one set up with a particular focus on helping federally qualified health centers. You also see these systems set up within hospital networks. For example, Dartmouth-Hitchcock uses one internally. Or you could establish a link between hospitals and independent primary care in the same geographical area. The concept is the same primary care provider submits a case with notes and questions, then receives either input on treatment or a connection to a specialist if the issue really can't be dealt with in primary care. On average, more than 70% of the time, the issue can be managed without a specialist visit. This is in some ways a more formal, virtual analog to an in-person system, which itself already had a low-tech phone option. Here's Dr. Marvin again. A curbside, I guess, is kind of an informal term when a doc calls another doc.
1: Maybe I would call a a neurologist about a patient. And I'm not really getting a consult, but I'm just kind of, they're lending me their ear about a case and I'll sort of present it almost the way a med student would present a case to me. I'll present the case to the specialist and say, you know, this is what I'm going to do just off the cuff. This is kind of in the same line of what you're thinking. And Do you think they need to come in there? Or do you think we should manage them sort of initially with this line of thought for a day, a week or whatever it is? And then the consult, usually the specialist is like, yeah, you know, that sounds appropriate. And then we'll go back to the patient and present the options. So, so I always present the option of seeing the specialist. I'm like, yeah, so you could go see this person. I just talked with them on the phone. Um, this is what we talked about, the recommendations. And, and they'll say, yep, okay, that sounds good. You know, we'll just go with that. Or sometimes they're like, no, I just really want to see a specialist. So I'm like, all right, I'll set it up. No problem.
0: The phone calls work well if you have a pre-existing relationship with a specialist and you're both available at the same time. The e-consult system is helpful if you don't have that local connection. It also lets the consultations happen asynchronously, allowing the primary care practice to use an efficient workflow to get all the information together, and allowing specialists to review cases when they have space in their schedule, then follow up if necessary.
2: The process is actually pretty quick. I only have to order a referral in my note under the patient I'm asking questions about. The part that takes time is asking a good question, so I try to fill in some background data. But typically, once I have that part written, the front desk will pull together all the labs, all the supporting notes, and so I don't have to worry about any of that. So it's actually usually a pretty quick process I just fit into my day. Usually when I'm writing up the note for that patient, I'll just add the consult in.
0: The e-consult also leads to written treatment plans, which some people prefer. In some cases, it connects directly to a referral system, expediting the referral if a specialist visit is needed. And it can also be particularly useful with conditions where the primary care provider is very familiar with the treatment, but not allowed to authorize it on their own.
2: I have a lot of patients who have hepatitis C, and we used to have to refer patients out for treatment, which was very time-consuming and a lot of travel and really inconvenient for them. Uh, primary care providers can now treat it. There's a lot of research that's shown that they're fine treating it. But the state of Vermont, especially patients who have Medicaid, require a consult with a specialist prior to paying for the medications. So I will very frequently do an e-consult for a patient who I want to treat for hepatitis C. And that way I'm able to send all my data, my specific questions, and then have a formal consult in their chart that we can refer back to. So I use that a lot. To get patients treated.
0: Jennifer says that during COVID-19 is helped to have a back and forth with specialists she's connected to through the system and she sees it as a long-term strategy for getting patients the care they need in remote parts of the state.
2: I feel like this is a really helpful tool and primary care providers are very capable of managing most of this stuff with some guidance and so if we can get answers quicker and treat patients quicker, I feel like everyone is happier. And of course, we still have the option to refer when we need to. But I also feel like this opens up potentially space for specialists to see like the patients that really, really need to be seen and allow us to manage the cases that are less complex.
0: The e-consult system that Notch is using is not common in Vermont. And for the future, ideally, all primary care will be able to have the value of informal and local connections, plus the efficiency and broad reach of the more formal e-consults. There's reason to think that we'll need to build the correctly balanced system soon. Not to end on a pessimistic note, but I did ask how much of what's working well for Dr. Marvin today will fall away when patient visits go back up. I think moving forward,
1: though, things are going to change. As you said, we've had the luxury of having just lower volume, and that's made a lot of this possible. I think as our volume continues to go up and as the specialist volume continues to go up back into sort of a, you know, a lot of the quote unquote non-essential surgeries, which are that's a lot there's a lot of debate about that what is a non-essential surgery or just as they patients get their all their deferred care starts to catch up to them and we really need to get them seen and get them in and manage them appropriately it's going to be hard to know how this will play out because we know that we've been able to do a lot of things during covid because our volume is low and we also worry that that's a sign of a lot of deferred care
0: the positive side is that as we build systems to manage that deferred care and manage better care into the future we have new tools for efficiency and access that we hadn't brought into play until now. How we navigate these waters will be a topic for future episodes of the Policy in Plainer English podcast. We thank our sponsors at Northern County Healthcare for making this special season exploring telehealth during COVID 19 possible.